Here's some music for you from Byron's favorite band. Uh, yes, the Beach Boys. Yes. Oh, hey, guys. Beach Boys. <laughs> that that right. song still jams even today. Eric, it's it a does. pleasure to meet you sort of in person, but not really. I hope that we get to meet one of these days. We, we will. We will. We will. Nice to see you, too. Yeah. I'm so happy to have you guys here today and to do a little bit of a Kathy Clatch conversation about all things fun, secret, world related. So welcome, guys. We have Eric Thomas and we have Ben Asen. And of course, Eric runs our The Secret by Byron Price 12 Puzzles um, group on Facebook. And we're excited to have him here and ask some questions of both of them and Ben as well, giving us some insights and some memories on Byron and taking questions from all of you. So we have compiled a nice list. We're going to try to get through as many as we, as time will allow, and we will start it off and I'll let Eric start off with the first few questions. Um, yeah, I got three. I got um, a member on my page, uh, Sajeev Kumar uh, wants to know from you, Ben, if you took any pics at the Philly Museum or Love Park, Love Park art symbolism. I <laughs> I was just in Philadelphia about a week ago doing a, an assignment down there. No, I've taken photographs at the Philly Museum, but never for the secret. Never. I, you know what? In retrospect, if I had been to Philadelphia and known about that museum, I would have made a suggestion. But Byron might have knocked it down. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what he what he meant by Love Park art. Maybe you know what that's. I'm not familiar with Love I'm Park. I'm not. Fam- I might know it by sight. I've been to Philly a number of times in the last ten years. A lot, actually. I, I, think, I believe that park has a lot of. Uh, there's like outdoor sculptures and stuff. I think that okay. might be what he's talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, it, it does, and you have the the well, the museum that's there, but also the really big park where. Rocky was filmed on the steps outside. That's the Philadelphia Art Museum. That's on the other end. Yeah. You also have have, um, the Rodin Museum with 98 pieces of Rodin sculpture. Yeah. And the guy that donated it came over on a ship right before the ground, right before the ribbon cutting to open it. And he died. Oh, wow. And never got to see the opening of his museum, Rodin. That's amazing, huh? Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. Well, I love Philadelphia and I love it being on the radar as one of our yeah. questioned cities, mainly because, you know, Byron there went to school there, correct? Oh, yeah. He went to the University of Pennsylvania. And, mm. you know, when you went away to college for four years, I didn't actually. Um, I, I stayed home and went to college. But, um, you know, you spend more time at your college town in the four years than you do at home with your mom and dad or whatever, you know, friends. That's so Philly, I'm sure meant something to him. It's, it's the place where he started a, a, a comic book series with Rick Steranko, the great illustrator. Yeah. Jim. 
Jim Steranko. Yeah, yeah. Jim. No, yeah. I know yeah. Rick Steranko. That's why I keep saying Jim yeah, Steranko. Yeah. And, um, you know, to help kids how to read. So Philly, and even after he graduated, he, he talked about, you know, Philadelphia and Penn and how much he liked the school. And, you know, it meant so much to him. Uh, and it's a special place, too, in American history when you think about it. Because oh you God. have Ben Franklin, who started the university. That's right. Um, trying to make education affordable for for all, no matter what your religious background was. Well, yeah, and University of Pennsylvania now is one of the few schools that they don't want any kids to have financial aid. They have enough donors that they could finance their their education. It's pretty it's incredible. Am it's amazing. Yeah. Eric, what's the next question? Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Tav and or Annie want to know if if you knew if Byron was a crossword puzzle fan. Yes, he was. He was. I was not. <laughs> but I don't know if he was obsessive about it. I mean, I have friends that if they get the, the New York Times and someone else in the family tries to grab the crossword puzzle, it's over. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> now, my father, my now, father was now, like that. Now, of course, <laughs> I have friends that download it from a computer. I mean, you know, they. Yeah. Uh, uh, my my dad was. I have a cousin that was. Uh, my dad was religious about it. He loved doing it. He just a lot of fun. I just, I just wasn't like that. So, uh, um, but he was. Yes, he was. Well, it would make sense mm -hmm. since he's a communications major, right? And he loved words. Um, the first crosswords actually appeared in England during the 19th century. Hmm. So it would make sense that um, coming from the quote unquote mother country, they started some of the early word, grammar, language kind of puzzles, right? And then right. yeah, and then we kind of did our own thing. It's like playing with words. That's a crossword. I was never good at crosswords. My <laughs> father my father was incredibly talented with crosswords. <laughs> But but it's basically you know, crosswords. Uh, my father used to say they're hard words. You know, mm. you got a poem verse from a secret. He said hard words are people that are words that people either don't use anymore or um, have similar meanings, but they're just not commonly used. Yeah. So yeah. he he said it it expands your vocabulary when you start realizing there's other words that mean the same thing. Right. Right. By definition. And I think the depth of understanding and uh, comprehension is better. Some people, and especially in this day and age, you can Google a word and you think, oh, that's the definition of it. But if you really look over time, words change lexicographically. And they have meetings of lexicographers that go in and they keep determining, you know, what words mean for printing of dictionaries. So over time, you know, just we've used some of the words before, but even one that's been debated lately, which is the word ruddy. Ruddy can mean a multitude of things, not just one thing. And so it really takes a person's, you know, mind to really want to sit and look back through history and see when was it first used and where did it come from and these kinds of things, because I feel like that's a really key component with a lot of the word the words in the secret. Um, it is. 
you know, what, what meaning was Byron wanting us to find? Sure. Sure. And so many, so many of these words when you, you know, today, when we can Google them, there's definitions for the words. I've never, I never even knew that word meant this. So, you know, I, with the secret book, I take a lot of these words and go just search it all definitions. And it'll show you, it'll show you when it was used, where it came from, when it was most commonly used, if it's even like really used anymore. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you can learn a lot from a single word. And I think that's a lot of the word play that's in this book is simply the definitions of them. Or even if you take the word dauntless, um, you know, daunting was used, uh, and we're really, prior to Shakespeare by epic writers, but Shakespeare is actually kind of given the credit for creating the word dauntless. And so I think some of those things are important to know when we're looking at the verses. But what do you think, Ben? You think Byron likes to know? I'll tell you what I'm trying to do right now. This is the uh, FAO Schwartz book. I think I shot, I think I shot the Scrabble, didn't I, for the book? Uh, Scrabble board? Yes, you did. Byron, you know, I, I don't remember playing Scrabble with Byron or or our kids together. I know we did stuff like Monopoly and Risk and those, you know, and those board games. But unfortunately, by the time Byron's kids got to be, <clears throat> they're a little younger than my boys. You know, the computer games just took over. You know, Simon and all these other computer board games. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure Scrabble's in the book. I just can't. It, the index is not very good, actually. Um, but uh, well, if you're, good, if you're good at crosswords, you're good at Scrabble. I'm not good at Scrabble either. No, no. <laughs> and I all. have friends that could, you know, they can get like 80 points in one row like that. You know, it's like without even looking, you know. And yeah, you know, I don't think it has to do with like being a, a great reader all the time. Because there are a lot of books that, I, you know, you read a murder mystery. I mean, they're not going to come up with these crazy words. I, I don't know. I, um. But he was, he definitely was a fan of crossword puzzles. There's no doubt about it. I remember like when I go to his house in Long Island for a weekend, you know, he'd be in his bathrobe, you know, he's, and doing a crossword puzzle or doing something, you know. He, um, he didn't sleep like a lot of people. He's like me, you know, he'd get up at two o'clock in the morning tonight and wander around just for an idea. So, uh, creative minds. Well, yeah, but not all creative minds work that way. There are some creative minds that work on a very, very rigid schedule. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to write. This is what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint. Then I'm going to go out to a cafe. You know, I'm not like that either. I do things in the spur of the moment. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm waiting for uh, a late day sunset in New York because I have a shot I want to get on the west side of uh, a <clears throat> water tower. And... Uh, <laughs> And it's it's been overcast every afternoon, so I'm hoping maybe today we'll see. Um, just go across Central Park, and I got the photograph. I know I know I have it if the light is right. So, Good. whenever you're this meticulous about your beautiful photographs, tell us about some of the directives that you may have received from Byron. Uh, in regards to shooting, say, the foul sewer ogre. Did Byron 
shoot some of the photos himself or did you no, no. do all of them? I shot, I shot, I know Byron didn't shoot him. Um, I shot it, you know, like in a dark street. Um, I really can't remember where I did it. Mm-hmm. I know I did the jit, uh, uh, the, 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 what do you call it? The, the, the yeah. that one I did down all the way downtown. And, uh, there was an actor that, um, one of the guy, one of the editors from Byron's office knew, and he just wanted to get his face in a book and, you know, and Byron gave him a credit, you know, it's, um, but like when I took the, uh, you know, the, uh, what's it called? The left wing, right wing, whatever it's called. Uh, yeah. The trog. Right? Okay. Simp trog. Yeah. He, he gave me three ideas. Okay. Shoot it in front of the Washington monument. Shoot it near the white, near with the white house in the background and shoot it with the Capitol in the background. Now, of course, we're talking about 1981. There was no homeland security. There was no terrorist attack. And basically, you could walk in, but I mean, in, you know, in, up the Capitol steps with no one really stopping you until you get to the door. Okay. Yeah. So I went to the Washington Monument. It was a, it was a weekend. And what happened was I said, Brian, I'm going to Washington for the weekend with Betsy. Uh, let me know when you want to start the book. He said, you know what? You can start it now because <laughs> I need some something shot in Washington. So, you know, we took I took it in a shopping bag. I put it into the trunk of my car and we drove down to Washington. OK. Um, could you imagine trying to put. Well, first of all, so the Washington Monument was just out of the question because the, the height of the monument was so high. I would have had to bring the sculpture way back. And at that point, there were trees, there were other buildings blocking the Washington mine. I I would have had to go on a, like at least 200 yards away. So mm-hmm. it just wasn't the way to do it. Now, of course, digitally, you could do some magic. Then I went to the White House. You know, there's a gate around the White House. I would have had to been up in a tree or in a hotel room somewhere. So I get to the Capitol and I put the, you know, I put the sculpture out on this marble wall and I'm taking pictures and you know, Betsy's standing there with me and people walking by and some people go like, Oh my God. Other people like just walk by. Could you, <laughs> Eric, could you imagine doing this in 2022 and not getting arrested? And they would have taken that. They would have grabbed the sculpture, got a bomb squad. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's another world. So, um, so that one, that's the story really of how I got that picture. I mean, I also went to Florida because I I have a lot of relatives there. Uh, My uncle left New York when he was like about 25 to be a boxer in Miami, ended up being a roofer, but he raised a family and other, other family members went down to Miami. So I have a lot of family in Miami. So I was going to Miami and he said, I got another sculpture that Joe Ellen just did. So Joe Ellen would come with me if it was in New York. She didn't go on any of the trips with me. There just wasn't any money for that. And, you know, which is kind How of. How would shit. you pack the dolls or the, the sculptures? I'd wrap them up in like tissue paper and then put them into a shopping bag. And just what? carry them on? What? And just carry them like <laughs> on the plane or. or yeah, on the plane or, the, or? Tr- oh, the trunk of the car or, you know, <laughs> the back seat of the car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe Ellen's going shopping bag. See, if Joe Ellen was smart, she would have given me a shopping bag and said, Joe Ellen sculptures or something. 
or Ben Asin photographer. <laughs> I, I, I was going to ask you in DC if you like if you had that sculpture in like a briefcase, which would have looked really suspicious if you're walking. No, 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 no. They were too big for an attaché case. But I know what you're talking about. It's like the small businessman. He's walking with the. Uh, he's walking. Yeah, with the they would have. They would have spotted you real quick. Look you know this that, guy coming. So I mean, so I went to Miami. Uh, with uh, the uh, sculpture that looks that's based on the actor Robert Morley, the British actor who Joe Ellen had created this for for the 25th anniversary of the Playboy magazine, uh, which also had the Marlon Brando interview in it, the only Marlon Brando interview in it, and Joe Ellen had the sculpture in there, and uh, it was Robert Morley who wrote an article why the British like to dress in drag. And Eric looks astonished, doesn't he? No. <laughs> it's, very re- it's very relevant to today. Yes, it is. So then a few years, you know, then almost instantly we did The Secret a few years later. And Joe Ellen reworked the sculpture into the Unreal un- Estate Broker. And Byron said to me, fine, I want an empty piece of property. Make it look like a like a a swamp or something. And so I told my uncle who lived in Miami, he said, I'm going to drive you out to a place called Kendall, which is past university of Miami where my oldest son went to school and where Shorty's ribs is actually the really, I'm not going to get into an argument, Eric Shorty's ribs are the best. The best. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> here we go. Now well, we got, we got tons of rib joints. here. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. But anyway, and, I took the sculpture and we put it in front of this fence and, you know, it said, you know, for sale, the for sale sign was there. I mean, how great is that? And that was the picture. And then I put it back in the shopping bag and it, and it flew back to New York. <laughs> and yeah, I, with, with that said, did Byron <laughs> ever send you to any specific cities well, to take a photo for the book? You know, now, that's a question from someone. All right. So here, so here it is. Um, he knows I had found, you know, my, when I, I had been married about a year. Okay. And still I'm married to that same person, by the way. Um, she, she's amazing. She puts up with a lot. She really does. Um, but Byron knew I had a sister-in-law out there and we, and I had a couple of friends in LA and San Francisco. He said, you know, when you go to LA and San Francisco, I really want, want you to take a couple of sculptures out there. Okay, which we did. Um, the one of the women run in those running shoes at uh, you know in Santa Monica uh, Boulevard with the palm trees. That was done there. Uh, we did the boogeyman in two locations. We did the boogeyman actually at a Tower Records in L.A. And and I by the way, when he told me Tower Records, I didn't even know what Tower Records was because I really had never been to California until 1978. And Tower didn't come to New York till about, I want to say like 85, 86. It's gone now. I mean, you know. Uh, yeah, just recently. Yeah, just recently, the last one. So I didn't know much about Tower Records, but I knew from my music friends, Tower Records. You go in Tower Records and you're looking at a Beach Boy album, Dennis Wilson might be on the other side looking at a, at a Beethoven album. Just don't know. That's the kind of record store it was. And the same thing in San Francisco. So I took the boogeyman to San Francisco and we stayed with our friend Bill, who was at the time living 
in the oldest house that survived the 1906 earthquake. Wow. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to keep it, but he's in another house now. It's really nice in Berkeley. Um, so we shot the hat. We shot the boogeyman on, on the rail of the back porch. Okay. In color and black and white. So happy. I just found that color slide. It's now on my website. I'm very excited. Krista, but so we shot that there and there's actually somebody who, when I started the secret podcast a year ago, someone emailed me that they knew the address of the person whose house was taken at because he worked for a title company in Northern California. Eric, he drove down three or four hours to San Francisco with Google Maps and whatever else they use for titles. And he found, so he said, I found the title in 1981 to this guy, Bill Issel. Can I contact him? I said, no. I said, I'll contact him, but he doesn't even live there anymore. But could you imagine? You couldn't do that in 1981. You couldn't do that in 2001. Now, I mentioned on the I mentioned on the page the other day that I was trying to I spent four months trying to figure out where that back porch was. And you know, you like you said, you were LA, Byron, LA and San Francisco. I know why LA I know why he sent you to LA and I you know, and I know why he sent you to San Francisco. Um, one's a puzzle one's a cast city, one's a book story. Mm-hmm. Which, which everybody knows which one that is. It's not too right. hard to figure out in the book. But yeah. Byron did yeah. go to he did go to Stanford, which is in California. I mean, so he, he spent a lot of time out there as well. But he always he was always going to California, always because you know he worked with celebrities. You know, Billy Crystal, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, Ray Romano, uh, uh, Joni Mitchell, Simon uh, Paul Simon. Uh, Ah, and the list goes on, you know, Beach he, Boys. He, he did right. And he, but he, Byron did the first celebrity books for kids. Nobody did them until Byron did them. Yeah. Simon at the zoo. What's it about? It's about a little boy going to the zoo. I, mean, I have another really good one too over here. You know, is, uh, you know both sides now by Joni Mitchell and oh, uh, Billy Joel. I'm so mad. I never got to photograph Billy Joel. Yeah. This is a good yeah. one too. Though I did get to photograph his ex-wife, Christy Brinkley, and she's really nice and very funny. Uh, yeah, I knew a girl years ago that met Billy Joel on a cruise. He was on a cruise by himself. Wow. She sh- yeah, she showed me pictures, and she was just like, she said she just walked up to him and said, are you Billy Joel? And he said, yeah. <laughs> and he was all, but I think I think this was right after he divorced Christy Brinkley. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. She said nobody recognized him, but she had a photo at the rail to ocean in the background, and he had a black suit on. That's so funny. And she said he was sitting on a lounge chair out on the on the deck. And I said, well, maybe he just needed to get away from it all, you know? That's right. Got to take a little break. So sure. with, yeah. with the authors that you mentioned, I have a question from Mike Stewart. Uh, sure. So he wants to know, did you talk a lot about your favorite authors and books. Um, he knows that, you know, Ben and Byron were a fan of Herman Melville uh, when he asked you that question when he had visited NYC. Yeah. So did you, 
talk about some yeah. of your favorite the authors together? Is that Byron read the book. I read the classic comic. <laughs> Got to. Anyway, uh, we didn't talk much about. We talked about some authors. First of all, you have to understand something. Sandy, his wife, is a book publicist, and she. I mean, we went out to. We actually. We're in California. I think it was L.A. I don't think it was San Francisco. Maybe it was San Francisco. And we were going out to eat with Byron and Sandy for dinner. And we're walking into a restaurant and walking out is one of Sandy's clients, Alvin Toffler, who wrote the book Future Shock, which was a huge, I think, the New York Times bestsellers for a couple of years at least. Yeah. So, I mean, so their world was writers and authors. I mean, you know. I wish I wish Sandy could have represented Harper Lee. Byron published To Kill a Mockingbird because that's still my favorite book, and it always will be my favorite book. It's the first book that meant something to me, and it's referenced in the Secret Book as well. And it's rep, yeah, it's referenced yeah. in the Secret Book, which I actually did not know until about a year ago. Yeah. So, but she still. If you go on my Facebook page, I think uh, when you go to my about, you know, I think I think I have Harper Lee in there. I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, Little side note: Truman Capote used to live down the block from us. <laughs> not when he, not when I was here, but he lived with his mother. He was like about ten, eleven years old, and he would he was sent down to the south to spend the summer. And that's that little boy with the eyeglasses in *To Kill a Mockingbird*. Remember yeah, he was always wearing those little bow ties. Mm-hmm. And then Harper Lee ended up coming up here. And she lived about 15 blocks from us in an apartment on York Avenue. It's such a small world. Yeah. But yet the literary world is so vast. Yeah. So, I mean, I was always exposed to a lot lot of writers. You know, we went to book parties and there would be publishers there. There would be uh, authors there. I didn't always feel it wasn't my comfort zone, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, um, some of them I didn't want to go to. Um, and I, but I went to a few. I went to a few. And, you know, when Sandy had her 25th anniversary of her business, we had it. And uh, there were some great writers. To, uh, Dominic Dunn was there. I mean, some really incredible writers. So they both knew a lot of people. And um, I was fortunate enough to be his friend. And I was good enough to take photos for him, I guess. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually better now. Well, we all get better, right? With time, we yeah, uh, I mean, our craft. Yeah, that's that's you know that's actually a a discussion I'd like to have with uh, John Palacar one day, just because it's the same thing with painting and illustrating. You know, uh, you know what? I never stop learning. That's right. I'm always looking to get a little better. That's right. And if you don't, no matter what you do for a living, you'll stagnate. Exactly. Just stagnant. Yeah. 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 It's fun to learn. You know, and and you mentioned the books. That's such a big part of the secret book. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of clues in there. And if you look a lot of these clues up and you're trying to figure out what they mean, they might just mean a book. It might be a reference to a book. And I I had someone go, well, well, that wouldn't make any sense. And I said, well, Byron's a book publisher. It would make complete sense. Right. You know, and be, be, before before there were photos and videos, people, it was writing. Everything was writing. Exactly. And, you know, Byron 
you know, even though he was fairly successful with the CD-ROMs, his real passion was books. And I know I could tell you that right now, when we would like wander into like uh, a bookstore either out in Long Island or Barnes and Nobles and the kids were with us, he lived near a Borders bookstore, which is, that's another company that's gone. I remember going in there with the kids and he would just, you know, he plopped down on the floor. There's a great bookstore in New York called the Books of Wonder. I actually shot the uh, science fiction writer Fritz Leiber in the window of that bookstore for one of his books. And Byron Byron even had a couple of book signings um, there for a couple of his children's books, which was a no brainer because you'd bring kids into the bookstore and the author would be there, read the book. And in the same bookstore was a little bakery called the Cupcake Cafe. So you had your birthday cake there. It was all cupcakes with candles. It was great. Oh, I remember those. I, I did a bunch of those. I did a bunch of those. Uh, I think we might have done the Billy Crystal book there, if I'm not mistaken. So, but Billy Crystal was not at the not at the book. No, not there. So, um, I got I got one more question for you, Ben. Sure, go ahead. Did. Did Byron ever talk to you why he stopped the mail-in solve in 2004? Why he stopped the what? Uh, he was allowing people to seek a book to actually, you could mail in where you thought the cask was. And so if you couldn't physically travel and he, he stopped, I think he stopped that in a, I, I don't know if it's in an email or, or anything like that. And was it mailed to a PO? Yeah. He, at the back of the secret book had a, like, you could fill out where you thought it was. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Details. Yeah. But he suddenly, you know, people still mention that. Can I, when I, you know, I see people like, if I fill out the back and I mail it in. No, I don't do that. And, and we have to say, no, no, they're not doing that anymore. I don't even know if that actually goes to anybody, if someone has done it without asking or, but some people were wondering why he just suddenly stopped taking in or if he was he you know if he was oh, still it is, even receiving oh, it, you know anything what it is? okay i know i know the post office it's the fdr station that's on 52nd and um third avenue that's the uh the fdr um, station it's a big big post office um he didn't live that far away from there so maybe oh, so he probably moved. moved. Yeah. He may have yeah. moved, and that's why the address changed in the book. So then he was like, "Don't mail them there." Maybe now right. email right them. because I, yeah. I forgot the year he moved to Twenty Fifth Street. He actually used to have an office on like Fifty Eighth Street or right near Bloomingdale's. He actually shared a he had a floor of a duplex office with uh, uh, another book publisher, I believe, or a lawyer. I can't remember. And he did, it, and it had a fire pole in it, from one floor to another. And sweet. <laughs> and the guy who he supplied with was a much older guy. He was probably in his seventies. He would come down the fire pole like all the time in a suit. You know, it was like kind of funny. I'm getting um, Ghostbusters vibe. You know what's nice about this? This is stuff I just haven't thought about in so long. That's why I love doing this. I love yeah. the memories and to be yeah. able to talk about it. It gives us those those 1980s glasses that we can kind of look through and see what the world kind of looked like and how it felt. You know, when you'd mentioned him playing the Beach Boys in the beginning, yeah. you know, and you had has have said that he went and stayed with the Beach Boys, right? On some kind of commune yeah. Yeah. 
thing. No, no, no. He stayed at the, um, it was in, in Iowa, there's a very famous meditation center. Hmm. So Byron went there to interview them and stuff. I don't know how long he stayed there for. Uh, I'm, I can't visualize Byron meditating actually, but you know, <laughs> I actually recently have started to do a little meditating. Um, Meditation uh, is good. It's good for yeah, it's mental good for, relaxation and decompression for sure. Yeah, because we still, you know, we start off the day, you know, like turning on a TV, listening to the news, which is not good. Yeah, making coffee is okay, but you know, just you know, we need a little bit of time once we wake up just to sort of like calm ourselves and yeah. So uh, right. I know a lot of people, I have a friend who meditates for years. You cannot call her between 6.30 and 7.30 a.m. in the morning. Just my phone's off. Don't call me. Yeah. I'm busy Same. thinking I'm busy. Right. and decompressing. Exactly. 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 So. Oh, I have another question here. What's the most bizarre theory or question on the secret that someone has directly asked you? Question from Lisa Wing. Oh, hi, Lisa. A, a couple. I mean, one was that um, someone thought, did Byron play, uh, you know, sports? I said, you know, I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't know if he did organized sports. I said, but we used to do, I used to do Little League with my brother. My brother is maybe a, maybe six months older than Byron, I think, um, was. And um so we used to play in Prospect Park at the parade grounds, uh, which was a pretty well-known place to play Little League. Uh, Eric uh, Joe Pepitone played there before he uh, went into the majors and played for the Yankees. So, uh, mm. you know, so, 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 so this guy says to me, oh, you know, so I think, do you know if Byron buried a cask at possibly a home plate at one of those fields at the parade grounds across Central Park. And I I answered him right. I said, listen, I don't have the, I don't know where anything was buried. I keep telling people that it's like, you know, it's it's you like can take a guess, but that's all you guess. can do, right? Yeah, but you know, I'm not here to throw people off, uh really. Sure. I mean, if I think I have a theory about something, like I knew Byron liked a certain pizza better than other pizzas, I would say mm. that. But um, but when it came to stuff like, you know, where stuff is burying the theory, you know, I, I'm the first one to tell people I didn't I didn't read the book. Okay. I mean I read parts of it, but mm. it's I just didn't read the book. Um, you know, George Rapp once said he never saw any of his movies. So um he yeah. said that the Johnny Carson, the Johnny Carson show. And Johnny Carson. Depp this did the same thing. Yeah, right. Well, his last few, I could see why. But Johnny Depp goes to the premiere and then he leaves. And he leaves. Yeah. And he said, "I've never seen any of my own movies." I yeah. was like, "Right." And he said, he, "He said he does his job, and then what they do with it after, he has no control of." So, right. I don't. I don't believe that. I don't believe that he hasn't watched one of his own movies, but. He you know, says he how is. can you not watch Edward Scissorhands? I mean, come on. Oh yeah, and he's got he's got some of the best. Uh, sleepy Sleepy Hollow. Uh, yeah. Um, not only that, but how about Leonardo DiCaprio's role in uh, in Edward Scissorhands? 
That's right. He was the a little, young he's one. The brother. He's the little brother. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They were in Who's Eating Gilbert Grape together, too. But now yeah, he's going to be in Beetlejuice. They're doing. Oh, I'm sorry. Grape. You know what? It's Gilbert Grape. That's right. Gilbert Grape. That's right. Yeah. Going to be in Beetlejuice? They, they're talking. Winona Ryder signed on, has signed on, and uh, my it's not a, it's and not a remake. Is Johnny it a remake? Depp. A remake? They're going to do some sort of. No, no, it's a sequel. Yeah. So I'll definitely you know, watch that. You know, except for The Godfather and maybe one other comedy, my, I, nobody comes up with original ideas. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to figure out why? what Johnny Depp's going to do with Beetlejuice. The why? 80s were amazing. That's why. So they, everybody has to remake them. Oh, so is now. that why? Because you know what's coming to Broadway? Back to the Future. Oh, my God. I love it. It's a great movie. Leave it alone. So speaking of, be, be, people still want them to make a sequel to that. I was like, there's been three. And at the third one, it said the end. That's right. It, it's over. It's over. Like, they're not going to come back. You know, Michael J. Fox with. You know, it, I, I'd love to see it if they redid it, but oh, for I, sure, they can't. They're going to do more time traveling. I was like, they've done, they've beat that to death. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So you want to, you want to get in these pictures now, Karen? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. I'll let you hold them up. Uh, first, I want to do page fifty-five. Oh, we have the 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 gym. Yeah. yeah, that was taken. I was taken um, in a park. I just. You know, I, I want to say it's probably Central Park only because we did a couple of there. And, you know, Joellen lived at the time. She lived right in Central Park down in the uh, down in the 50s. Um, and uh, huh? I, I know we did three or four shots. And, Karen, you know about one that you uh, went to see. The Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey on 72nd Street near the Bandshell. Yes. Um Took me forever to find that statue. Really? Yeah. But but you know that statue is kind of confusing to the secret book because we know that is in Central Park, mm-hmm. but Byron supposedly uh, there was an email that was floating around that a girl was asking about Central Park and Byron said Central Park contains no treasure, basically hinting that get out of Central Park, it's not there. Or could we say? When Byron says those things, could we pretty much take that as fact? Or is it more like, you know? Yeah. yeah that that, bring, that brings up a question I didn't write down. Someone wanted to ask Ben, would Byron lie? Would he totally lie to everybody, deceive everybody with everything in the book? Red herrings, white lies, big lies. Like when he while. says, like when he says the book's easy in an interview when he was promoting it, yeah, which which obviously it's not. I I think it is when you figure it out, but you know when you start, the book reads like Japanese stereo instructions when you yeah, first but start. Maybe, but maybe he said the book was easy because he wanted more people to buy it. That's yeah. Oh, well, I I told people he wouldn't say, "Hey, the book's incredibly difficult. It's going right. to rack your brain. You're going to have a mental breakdown." Nobody would have bought it. You know, I you know, said it's you know marketing. It's, you know what it's like? I shoot a lot. I've shot a lot of chemists and scientists over the years, engineers, and I was not a very good science student. But when I went back to photograph these people and they explained theories to me and about engineering and how, how a bridge is built, 
I said to myself, God, you know, I wish I was interested in that stuff when I was 17. Uh, just because this stuff's really interesting. Yeah. For some reason, yeah. whoever I had as a teacher just didn't present it right and just made it so dry. Yeah. The oh. teacher makes the difference. Teach. Oh, oh yeah. my God. I, mean, I had some great, Byron had some, Byron and I both had a couple of history teachers at Midwood High School that were just fantastic. They were old. They were older. They were two older guys. I'm, I can't think of their names. And a woman. They were all great, great history teachers. But you know, history is fun to teach. It's it's you know, biology to make it interesting for a kid. It's not easy. I'm sure there are ways now to do it, especially with like digital artwork and showing stuff. You know, you could basically go into a person's body and look at arteries and veins and stuff. Um, you, you know, you know, you couldn't do that then. So, yeah. um, yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, when we think about all the history that Byron wanted to kind of touch on throughout the secret book to make that part of the puzzle was really genius because it, it really mattered if you knew the history in order to obtain a key. And when we think about going back to 1980 and thinking the only way that we could talk to Byron at that time was either a handwritten letter, which was a lot cheaper than making some collect call for right, right, a right, long right. distance call from wherever you were, right? right. So a kid in Iowa wanting to call New York and ask Byron questions. I mean, in 1980, 81, 82, that was like crazy expensive money. And the book at the time wasn't super cheap. You know, I mean, it was a good, it was a fair amount for a, a kid in grade school or high school or young adult. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I think. And the, the book industry back then was huge uh, compared to today. You know, most people, you can do stuff on your phone, but like if you wanted information back then, it's like um, it's, you're at the library or you're at the bookstore. Right. Get it. You didn't right. have the internet stuff. That's right. So. So you had to use the tools that were around you, right? And so that's been almost part of kind of a treasure hunt in and of itself is finding some of these older books that Byron would have used on American folklore, immigration, indigenous tribes, all of that. And so I guess when we're asking if he wrote in latter emails, you know, there's no treasure here or this or that, can we take that? at face value or should we assess it from an angle of the game of opposites or, you know, as yeah, and I, I had, you know, also, if you go back, this is, uh, I was, when I was talking to you on the phone, Ben, I mentioned this, the state, the state of the parks of Manhattan in Brooklyn and everywhere else during the process of making the book to its release. And I've seen a lot of people, I'm on like a New York historical page. And a guy told me, Oh man, those parks were so dangerous. You didn't even go into them back then. You know, you know, it's kind of funny. Yeah. We're talking about how unsafe New York city is now and stuff. Can I tell you yeah. something? I moved into Manhattan in, I think it was June of 77. That was the year of a very big ride on the Upper West side. My parents called me up and they said, you can't move. Actually, my, my mother was no longer alive. My dad called said, you, you can't move that, Ben. 
I said, Dad, the movie truck's here. They were they were breaking store windows. It's it's not great now, okay? But when I hear politicians say this is the worst it's ever been, these politicians obviously have never lived in New York City because the '60s, '70s, and mid or up to like the mid '80s were were really bad. Were really yeah. Bad. And I, mean, I even I, I even I think yeah, that's ahead, why you can take that that comment of him saying that there's no you know there's no treasure there then probably he probably means it. I will tell you this though because I'm a member of the Central Park Conservancy just because I feel I I use the park so you know when people say don't you miss having a backyard Ben I always go are you kidding me I have almost 800 yeah. acres of backyard I've never mowed a lawn in my life. <laughs> so I got the greatest backyard there. I got a, I got a zoo. I got a science museum. I got coffee places. Got um, Teddy Roosevelt's museum. Teddy there, Roosevelt, right? right? Exactly. So in those days, you probably could have dug up with a bulldozer, and they would have not done anything to you. Central Park Conservancy. Most people are volunteers. Yeah. Most of them are not, and not just older people. I have a lot of young people too, but a lot of seniors. They have nothing to do. You can't just go in and dig. And I don't think it's that easy to get permits. I really don't. You would have to have a really phenomenal explanation of why you think the cask might be buried under something mm-hmm. in the park. Now, someone just mentioned that too. That the city of New York is going to be. Doing like San Francisco, they're going to let you get a dig permit. Yeah, they have. We have a few people in our group that have received their permits and had permission to dig and stuff. So that is that is actually happening. But when they dig in New York, there's still going to be someone there from you know the the office to make sure that they don't damage stuff, and yeah. that if they don't think they're digging properly to to you know, conserve what's around them, they're going to stop the dig. I guarantee yeah. you. Well, that wraps up part one of our video with Eric and Ben. Check back in a little while for part two.